Welcome into American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Joining us now on the program to take a look at the weather forecast for the week ahead and for harvest the next couple of weeks, Eric Snodgrass with Nutrient. Eric, how are you today? I'm doing all right, although not much sleep was had around here. We had a bunch of severe weather roll through central Illinois last night, and I was up watching some of the hail and debating on whether or not I should send my family to the basement, but thankfully the winds weren't strong. So I just got a bunch of debris in my yard to clean up today, and unfortunately I think it did some damage to the crop. Although this time of year you, you damage the crop, and it's as long as it doesn't hurt that ear, uh, you're in pretty good shape. But there's some soybeans around here that still need some more time, so I'm going to go out later today and kind of scout to see what kind of damage we had. Well, talk a little more about that severe weather and some of the rainfall we saw over the weekend. I know there were some areas there, your area back into Iowa as well, that saw some fairly hefty amounts of rainfall over the weekend. Yeah, some of these storms put down several inches of rain. We had some pockets that picked up three to four inches plus. And remember, all these storms started the day before on Saturday in Kansas, parts of southeast Nebraska and hit southern Iowa, where there was numerous reports of very large hail. Then it was yesterday that they came out of uh, parts of eastern Iowa through northern Missouri and then clipped a big section of Illinois. And thankfully, they've kind of, you know, slowed down a bit as they hit, head toward uh, Indiana early this morning here. But uh, it was some pretty, uh, pretty nasty storms that rolled through that area with some locally very heavy rain. So if a crop was pretty far along, I'm, I'm, I'd be concerned if there might be some lodging, some issues there going on. But by the way. California, there's a bunch of folks in Northern California that picked up two to three inches of rain as well as this deep cutoff low sat uh, over that area too. So it was a, it was an interesting weekend in terms of figuring out when and where all of these storms are going to roll through the country. Well, I know we've been talking about a lot of different things the last couple of weeks, Eric, and you mentioned the tropics a few times, and I know we have Hurricane Fiona out there. My question is, is it going to impact any part of the U.S. moving forward? No. Uh, so after hitting, you know, Puerto Rico, of course, yesterday as a pretty strong, I think it was a category one at landfall, but it's continued to strengthen. In fact, it hit the Dominican Republic last night. I've heard some preliminary reports of over two feet of rainfall uh, from it. And at one point yesterday, no one on the island had uh, state run power. So everyone had an outage. And so unless you had a generator, uh, there was no power. Now they've restored it for about 100,000 people, but they still have a long way to go. Well, that hurricane's going to turn north, not come toward the east coast, and it'll likely just miss Bermuda to the west. Now, let me rephrase that. The eye will miss Bermuda to the west. The strongest part of the hurricane will likely go over the top of Bermuda, which could be a, a problem. But Bermuda is an island that is built to handle hurricanes, so we hope that they're not going to have much damage from that. But here's the crazy thing. The leftover of Fiona, gosh, this would be this weekend, could get yanked all the way into Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, Eastern Quebec, as this big broad front sweeps through the United States and grabs hold of it uh, and, and, and basically takes it into Eastern Canada. So we see this happen, uh, but uh, it's just impressive to say the least. Well, we'll continue to watch the tropics moving forward. Eric, let's shift back to the Northern Plains. I know we've seen a few scattered showers, a few disturbances move through the last couple of days, and we're getting to that time period where we got to start thinking about frost. And I know that's something that growers in the Northern Plains do not want to hear a normal or early frost. They want to have a late frost, but I know you're picking up some potential for that as we move forward here this week. Talk about what you're hearing. You know, I, I think what I'm hearing really started for you and I last week when we were at Big Iron and crop went in late. We knew that it was cold and it was wet, but they played catch up with some heat units throughout the summer. But still, it'd be nice to get another 
just another 10 more days or more of, of just warmer conditions and some drier conditions. But the concern is that some of the models are hinting that once this front clears this area, this Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we could have a few areas where the lows drop down to mid 30s. So then what happens is the low lying areas, especially on calm nights with clear skies, they the temperature can bottom out another three, four, five degrees. So what I'm worried about is maybe along the US Canada border, getting over to the Great Lakes, we could see pretty far north, at least a small chance at having some patchy frost. Now, if you get past it and it doesn't hit us this weekend, mild air returns. So I don't, I, I see us getting into first week of October before we have this discussion again. Well, mild air returning and heat returning to some parts of the country, I know as well here uh, this week, Eric. Talk about the rest of the country, especially parts of the central southern plains, the mid-south. I know we're talking some pretty intense temperatures. Yeah, so Monday and Tuesday uh, of this week, we're looking at upper 90s, lower 100s in parts of South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, even western Iowa and parts of Missouri. And then by the time we get out there to Wednesday, Thursday, the temperatures could fall off 35 plus degrees as that front comes through. So another day where we're adding more of that scorching heat into the mix, but big swings in temperature. That's normal for this time of year, but this is a big one given how hot it's going to be today and tomorrow in, in parts of the Central Plains. Okay, so taking all this into account, Eric, I know we talked last week about the harvest weather ahead the next couple of weeks. Let's shift our focus back there a little bit as we're really starting to kind of pick up into harvest season across a broad area of the country. So what are your thoughts on that forecast moving forward, taking into account all of the things that we've mentioned already? So farther to the south, so let's just call it Oklahoma to Texas through the mid-south, uh, getting over to Tennessee, Kentucky, and then all the way to the, you know, really the mid-Atlantic. This is the area that's got the best chance at seeing warmer conditions, drier conditions, and if there's stuff that needs to get harvested, they're going to move quickly. Now, the crop in Texas needs more time. They were, uh, they had a lot of issues with drought, some replanted stuff there, like cotton needs more heat and needs more time, and they're going to get it. But across the northern tier of the United States, so let's just call it the west, or excuse me, the western Corn Belt, the upper Midwest, and getting into the I states, especially, there's going to be two chances for some rain coming through in the next seven days. But after that, there's no long range forecast that calls it over wet or cold. And it's, we can all help that you know whole thought process along by just remembering we've got La Nina. And La Ninas do not tend to give us really cold early fall time periods. They tend to be colder later once we get into winter uh, when you compare to average. So I'm still looking at more favorable conditions for a lot of folks. Uh, throughout much of the Midwest and corn and soybean belt. Fantastic. With that, Eric Snodgrass of Nutrient, thanks for joining us here today. We appreciate the time. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. And again, that is Eric Snodgrass of Nutrient joining us here today on American Ag Today. Well, U.S. soybean exporters are off to a decent start as far as sales in the new marketing year. However, the first USDA report in several weeks says the shrinking U.S. crop, questionable Chinese demand, and South American competition are all threats to future sales opportunities. Reuters says those factors are pressuring U.S. corn exports too, but the latest level of sales was already uneventful ahead of the U.S. harvest. Technical issues prevented USDA from publishing weekly U.S. export data for almost a month. The data released last week included four weeks of sales ending on September 8th. The data drought spanned marketing years as the 22-23 marketing year began on September 1st for quartered soybeans. Soybean sales beat expectations in those four weeks at 5.75 million tons. For the 22-23 marketing year, U.S. corn sales during those four weeks hit 2.465 million tons. Total corn sales in the new marketing year reached 12.3 million tons. This has been American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.